This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Let's go, business storytellers. Hey, how is everyone doing? Thanks for joining me. Today, we want to talk about SEO, search engine optimization. And here's the thing. I spend my days thinking about this kind of stuff. I do. I create content typically for the top of the funnel, sometimes the bottom of the funnel, sometimes the middle of the funnel, depending on who, who you ask, how they define certain pieces of content. But you know what? Uh, what I don't think about too often is the fundamentals of brand search engine result pages for businesses. I, I don't. Like most companies rank, from what I can see, for those things. So I was excited to read Jason Barnhart's book on the topic um, certainly comes highly recommended. That's how I ran across it when John Miller from Google tweeted about it. Um, and I'm very, very excited to talk to Jason today. What are brand SERPs? Why do we care? What the heck is navigational search? I'm not sure that's a term I hear thrown around too often in SEO meetings, like maybe every once in a while, but but not that often. So, Jason, I'm happy to have you on the show. Welcome to the Business Storytelling Show. Thank you for having me. I'm doing my best to fist pump in the most, oh, fist bump rather, in the, in the most appropriate manner. In the most appropriate manner. Uh, we, don't, we don't need a definition of what that means, but really appreciate you coming on. Definitely appreciate the book. So kind of fill us in. Brand SERPs, what is that? And, and why the heck do we need to care? Right, yeah. I mean, your introduction is really, really interesting from the perspective of most people don't think about it. Uh, if you're in the SEO industry, we'll say, well, when you search for my brand name or my personal name, or in fact, my podcast name uh, or my product name, I will rank number one. And that's natural. It's really easy to rank number one for your own name. But with brand SERPs, you're looking much deeper than that. And you're saying what Google is showing, or Bing for that matter, when somebody searches your brand name or your personal name or your podcast name or your product name, it's showing what it feels is most relevant, helpful, and useful to your audience, who are a subset of its users. And that goes beyond that first result. It goes right down that SERP. And what it is showing is your Google business card or your Bing business card. And what your audience sees when they Google your name, and remember, they are bottom of funnel. They're the people who already know who you are and what you do. Yeah. They're just deciding whether or not to do business with you, or they're already doing business with you. And at that point, what these search engines show them is incredibly important to how they then perceive you now and moving forwards. So the way I think of it a little bit, too, is it's kind of like the uh, bare minimum, right? So when Barry Schwartz was on the show, he basically said, so here's the bare minimum. Like, if you don't even do some of these things, like, forget about it. And, <laughs> you know, when, when I the, the, the nightmare I just had when you mentioned um, it's not just result number one, it's the whole page, is I was actually searching for somebody's name earlier. And this person 
I know it's a person, not a brand, but still, right, a public person. And they don't necessarily have an SEO strategy of any kind, right? Mm -hmm. So there was a couple negative stories that showed up pretty highly. Um, when you search for my name, most everything that shows up on the first few pages, I participated in somehow, right? They interviewed me. Mm -hmm. It's my website. It's my where I work. It's, you know, something I had input. And it's, this. I'm not sure you can find anything negative anywhere um, when right. you just search for your name. So how, how uh, is that part of it? I mean, like you want to own yeah. what shows up? Well, 100%. I mean, you, you've put your finger on kind of the next step. The first step is saying, I need to make sure that my Google business card represents me. So we're going to start mm -hmm. with that and say, I have a brand message that I'm pushing out on all these different channels, offline and online. I need to make sure that when somebody Googles my brand name, that message, that brand message is being reflected in what Google shows, my Google business card. That's step one. It's saying my brand message needs to be reflected to my audience when they're searching my brand name. And when I say brand SERP, I mean brand as in person, company, product. It doesn't matter. Anything that is, in, in effect, a brand in a marketing perspective. And then you move on to what you just mentioned, which is online reputation management. And if there is something negative or not to your liking that you would prefer not your, your audience not to see, you need to make sure that you dominate that with the content that you do want your audience to see. And the trick there is to make sure that Google understands which content represents you honestly and accurately, which content will be relevant, valuable, and helpful to your audience when they're searching your name. And Google, strangely, want to show the content that represents you. So if that bad content is ranking it or, or getting up onto your brand SERP, that implies that Google thinks that it's valuable and helpful to your audience. And that's a very bad sign for your underlying digital marketing strategy. Because you're not really focusing on it. But, um, and you know what, for, for some people and some brands, that negative content is certainly a reflection of who they are. So let's just be yeah. real about that. Right. I mean, you know, if they're a bad brand or I mean, there was a, a company I worked with the other day and they haven't I haven't heard a single person say a positive thing about them. And oh, when wow. you read their reviews, same thing. Right. So like that's part of their story that they're not very good. <laughs> right. Maybe that's their selling point. I don't know. But the, it's the other thing about brand steps. I mean, brand steps, when you say oh, the result for a brand name, you think, oh, that doesn't go very far. It doesn't fly very far. But we've already gone through my Google business card for my audience when they're searching for me, bottom of funnel or post funnel. Then we've gone on to online reputation management. Then we can go on to saying, well, if Google is showing that negative or not off message, sorry, brand uh, message on your brand SERP, it suggests that Google has misunderstood you or mm -hmm. it's understood what your audience truly thinks about you, in which case it's time to start looking in the mirror and asking yourself some very serious questions. Then the next step, if I may, is to say yep. Google will show on that brand set what it feels is valuable, helpful, and relevant to your audience. And if that content doesn't reflect your content strategy, your digital strategy, and your digital ecosystem, you have a problem because Google cannot see what your audience is truly interested in. So if I'm investing in, in video 
but videos do not appear on my brand. So when you search my personal mm -hmm. name or my company name, it mm -hmm. means I'm investing very badly in video. That video is not having an effect. So the brand cert becomes a window into your digital ecosystem. It becomes a, a free critique from Google about what's right and what's wrong about your digital strategy. And certainly people do search for brand names. And I'll just give you an example. I mean, you know, just even your name alone, Jason, 880 searches in a month, right? You're a brand. People search for you. Coca-Cola, you know, to, I'm not making any comparisons here. Coca-Cola, 2.7 million. I don't know why anybody per month. I don't know why anybody needs to search for Coca-Cola. But my point is, Vox Pop Me, my day job, 2,400. This is public information. You can use uh, keywords everywhere or whatever. Um, I think that's the browser plugin I use. So my point is, whether the content people in us, believe it or not, People do search for brands to do something, to look up whatever they're about or, or whatnot. Now, how do we get started to make sure our brand SERPs are in order? I mean, is it, um, you mentioned images. It's about sending people to the right pages, maybe from social. What, I mean, what else? Right. Well, the first question there is, why do people search my brand name? And the answer yeah. is twofold. You mentioned navigational search. Navigational search simply means I know where I want to go and I'm searching on Google to get there because I'm too lazy to type in the domain name or I can't remember the domain name uh, or I don't know that that's how the internet functions. So I type in the brand name, first reaction, come to that result, and then I click on the first result, which is the brand's, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully the brand's web page. Um, so that is navigational search. I want to get to the website. Now, that seems incredibly simple and it seems job done, but it isn't because I might not want to get to the homepage. I might want to get to the login page or the contact page or the press page or mm -hmm. the blog, in which case you have a big chunk of results that Google will put right under the homepage from that same website so you can navigate straight to that part of the site. That is step number one in any brand SERP optimization strategy. If you don't have those big chunk of links under your homepage, you make sure that Google will give them to you. And if they already have them, make sure Google gives you the ones that your users truly need. Generally speaking, Google gets it quite right, but you can help it enormously and you can influence very heavily those results that help your users your audience get to the place on your site that they want to go as efficiently as possible. And that is key. Google and Bing are trying to get their users to the solution to their problem or to their destination as efficiently as possible. And in this case, the people, the users that they are trying to get to their destination are your audience on your website. You want to make sure that you help Google and Bing get that audience to the place they want to go as efficiently as they possibly can. Then you mentioned social media channels. I might want to interact with your business in another manner than on your website. I might want to interact, exchange with your business on Twitter or on Facebook, in which case you need those to rank right under your homepage. So it would go homepage, site links, or the, the links mm -hmm. in, into your site, the Twitter profile, the Facebook profile, then potentially LinkedIn profile, then perhaps a review site, which show how wonderful you are, then perhaps your YouTube channel. That would be a representative brand set because it serves two purposes. It serves the purpose of showing your audience who you are, what you do, 
and how you might serve them. And it gives them the choice of how they want to interact with you. And that is key. Your Google business card says, here's who I am. Here's where you can interact with me. You choose. So some of that, what you just mentioned, it comes down to how you set things up correctly, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, social media is, you know, I'll give you an example. This is not truly social media, but but um, I'm a part of the Amazon influencer program. So we live stream to Amazon uh, right. quite often. And when when I first started doing that, people said, how did you get into that program? And I said, I don't know. I applied five years ago when it first opened and I got in and they didn't have live streaming. And then all of a sudden they, they started live streaming. So I started doing that. So my point is, my philosophy is you just sign up, right? If I want to be C trap <laughs> on racket or whatever, the next thing is I need to sign up for that today and set up my account. Same when I, when I heard you talk about the website, the different sections and the verbiage. I mean, that really comes down to when you, build your website or when you update your website or whatever to set things up correctly. I mean, right? 100%. And the, the point is your website is a representation of your brand if you're a company or yourself if you're mm -hmm. a person. And the website is there to allow people to interact with you on your own territory. But your own territory is what exactly SEOs tend to focus on. And that for me is a mistake. Because people can interact with you on Twitter, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Amazon, as you rightly said. All of these different platforms are places where you can potentially interact with your audience. And your website is, let's say, the final destination where they will actually do business with you. But all those touch points on the way down are something that you can see in your brand SERP. You can optimize by looking at your brand SERP and thinking, is that what I expected to see? If you're working on Amazon and you're working hard on Amazon and your audience is on Amazon, Amazon should be ranking on your brand SERP. And if it's not, then you're not doing a very good job either on Amazon or communicating that Amazon is important to your audience. And that comes down, in fact, and it's quite an interesting point, is use your website as a hub because you can use your website that Google has recommended uh, sorry, recognized as the home of your company or yourself and say, this is important, that's important, that's important, simply by describing it on a dedicated web, web page on your website and then linking out to it, which indicates to Google, I think this platform is important to my audience. It's giving Google clues using your own website as the hub that Google is looking at to understand what you think your audience will be interested in. What's always interesting about anybody talking about websites the way you just did is um, I think there's some companies, just the way they're set up, the way they work, they almost set themselves up to fail, right? Because you have the social team and you got this team and you got that team and nobody talks yeah. to each other. So start talking to each other, my friends, please. So my last question on that um, little subtopic here is, so when you set up your website, right, you got to do that early on. Uh, when you set up your socials, you have to do that early on. All those different things you mentioned, you have to set them up. And of course, in the content strategy and the SEO strategy, I focus most of my day on, it's a very ongoing project, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yes, today I'm writing this article. I'm going after these keywords. Tomorrow I'm going to write a different one, going after something else, right? Or, or think there's an opportunity there. So... I don't think that my projects will ever stop. 
well, they stop when somebody doesn't get the value, but they, in theory, they shouldn't stop. Um, and, and when it comes to brand syrups, I mean, is there an end in sight or what do you do after it's all set up? Like, how do you, how do you further optimize them? Right. Well, that's a really good question because what you just said is that my content never stops. I'm continually adding content. I'm adding value. And by doing so, I'm constantly very slightly adapting who I am, what I do, and who my audience could potentially be. I'm expanding. So the brand setup is always going to need to be maintained. Once you've done that initial three or four month chunk of work that gets the brand setup to represent you the way you want, to get that Google business card looking great to your audience, reflecting your digital strategy, reflecting your digital ecosystem, your digital ecosystem will change slightly over time. So you need to maintain it so it continues to represent your current digital ecosystem. And I'll give you a really good example of misrepresentation for a person. I was a blue dog in a cartoon. I was a cartoon blue dog for 10 years. Then I moved to digital marketing. When I moved to digital marketing, I would go to clients and I would pitch my services. They would say, wonderful, great. You're such a good digital marketer. We really want to work with you. And I didn't sign as many of them as I thought I would. And what was happening is that they were Googling my name, Jason Barnard, and they saw Jason Barnard is a cartoon blue dog right at the top of the SERP. And it talked about me as a blue dog in this cartoon, which was quite successful. And they thought, I don't want to give my digital marketing strategy to a cartoon blue dog, which is fair enough. This is how I got into brand SERPs. I set about, and it took me about three to four months, changing the message that Google was giving my audience searching my brand name, my personal name, sorry, to reflect me as a digital marketer because it was reflecting something from two or three years before and I wanted it to reflect something of today. That's quite a drastic example. Then after two or three months, what then happened is that when they searched my name, it said Jason Barnard, digital marketer, what writes for Search Engine Journal, writes for Search Engine Land, uh, has this, this uh, YouTube channel that talks about digital marketing. Oh, and by the way, he was a blue dog. That is an accurate representation of who I am, what I do currently, and who my audience is today and what they would want to see for me today as opposed to what I did yesterday. Uh, so many questions. So <laughs> a blue dog, like the voice of the blue dog in a cartoon? Yeah, I, I was the voice of the blue dog. I wrote the songs and my wife and I wrote okay. the scenarios and she did the illustrations and we made a TV series for ITV International, which was quite successful at the time. And we had a website which had 5 million visits a month. Um, and the problem with that is that that kind of representation of my career was incredibly dominant because Google understands the entertainment industry much better than it does any other industry. So the blue dog dominated and it was quite a struggle not to relegate the blue dog in any dismissive sense, but to make sure that it wasn't overrepresented on my brand SERP so that I could actually get some work. Very interesting. And then why did you make the move into digital marketing from um, creating shows like that to uh, move into marketing? Uh, well, in fact, the Blue Dog and Yellow Koala were very successful online. We had 5 million visits a month from children yeah. up to 10 years old. 100 million page views a month. It was absolutely insane. We were very successful. We were competing with Disney and the BBC and PBS. 
and that ended for various business reasons, which are pretty boring and not incredibly encouraging in a in a, a human sense. And I needed to repurpose myself, get a new job, get a new career, make money to support my family. And because we sure. had a million visits a month from Google, I figured that was the way to rebuild a new career. Yeah, of course. Great. I appreciate that answer. So um, that actually leads into my next question a little bit. So I was thinking about that. Sometimes you have brands that are trying to rebrand. And of course, there's a spectrum of Mm. rebranding, right? I mean, we have the let's fiddle with the logo a little bit. And I can't even tell the difference unless I put them side by side um, as a consumer all the way to we need a new name. We need whatever. Um, now, sometimes, of course, there's um, more serious reasons or more urgent reasons to do that. I mean, I'm thinking about like the, the Washington football team, right? They changed from the Washington Redskins, Washington football team, Washington commanders over the mm. last couple of years here. And then we have some companies who changed their name for another reason. Sometimes it's just because the, the, the name they started with doesn't work anymore or, or whatever. What role does having to update all this have in those discussions? I mean, does anybody think about that? Hey, somebody will have to work on this for six months to actually make it work. I mean, is that, should that be part of the discussion and is it? It should definitely be part of the discussion right from the get-go. Uh, from the, the choosing of a brand name, if you're going to change your brand name, you need to make sure that it either isn't ambiguous or if it is ambiguous that you can still dominate that brand set. Because if somebody's searching for yellow door, because your company is called Yellow Door, you're competing with the concept of a yellow door, which is a thing. And Google is going to try to serve that ambiguity as best it can by showing your company plus a yellow door, plus the cafe next door. Um, So you need to actually start thinking about how you will be represented online, both on all the different platforms around the web, but in your brand set before you choose that new name. Secondly, in terms of actually switching Um, A company like Facebook, who just switched to Meta, did an astonishing job. Uh, Obviously, Facebook is a big, big company. They think about this kind of thing in advance. The day they switched from Facebook to Meta, within a few hours, Google had switched that entire brand SERP on the term Meta. And in fact, Meta was a company they had bought four or five years before and that they were going to sunset in March and they switched the name ahead of schedule, as far as I can see, and managed to get that whole thing to switch. That is the exception. It is not the rule. Most brands don't think about it. Most brands don't work on it. And most brands struggle to make that name switch. And one thing I've done uh, with the the Brand Cert book is I've actually built a SaaS platform that can help with that. Because what we do is we go around the web we find all the rep, the, oh, sorry, all the references to the initial brand, all the references to the new brand. You can go through the entire list of the old brand, change it all to the new brand, and then it will pop up on the other side. And that is a phenomenally big job. As you just said, six months. If you think about that six months of investment of one person's time, full time, to switch that brand name. And it does take that amount of time. But if you can do it, literally in three or four days, which is possible with a list that is pre-prepared as we do with CaliCube Pro, the SaaS platform. If you can switch a piece of information like Facebook did instantaneously within a day, Google will follow. Google is that fast. The reason it doesn't follow a brand name change is simply because that brand name change is spread over six months and it can't get to grips with it. 
Of course, I would assume that the size of the company matters too. I'm guessing the Washington commanders didn't have much of a problem getting their brand serps to change, but huge, huge brand, right? I mean, like everybody, all kinds of people are talking about it. Um, in the last two to three minutes here, Jason, tell us, I think people can work with you, right? You're a consultant in addition to an author. Um, yeah. How do people work with you? How do they reach out to you? And, 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 and you know, who are your uh, perfect clients, so to speak? What we actually have now with CaliCube, I created a company called CaliCube. We've developed um, a, a process whereby if you're a beginner in brand steps, the first thing to do is to read the book. The book will explain what it's all about, what you can pragmatically and practically do, and it will get you started without any SEO experience on managing your brand on Google. Then if you're the next step up, or once you've read the book, we've got a set of courses where I explain exactly what you can do in more detail with practical information, practical advice, so you can start building up your brand SERP and make it look really good to your audience and build up that digital ecosystem that represents your brand truly and honestly. And then the next step up is a SaaS platform, which is for agencies, where we dig into the data. It's very geeky. We dig into the data. We figure out exactly what's necessary for your brand. We can help you switch your brand name. We can help you get more press. We can get you more mentions, push you out there to make sure that your brand message is uh, expanded throughout the digital ecosystem to an audience who will be interested to you. And then the consultancy part is when you have a particularly tricky problem, come to me, I will do consulting, and I can pretty much figure out any problem you might have with your brand when it appears on Google. And, you know, the, the other thing I um, I always think about is, I mean, I'm not necessarily a technical guy, but the, but doing the tech stuff correctly is so important i'll give you an example i used to have authentic storytelling.net which made total sense 2014 or whenever it was 2013 it does not make sense today at all right so i basically moved all this content on onto christophtrap.com which when i say move nothing actually moves it's just pointing at different dire di directories or whatever but the 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 team that set everything up did such a great job, um, mm. technically speaking, that I didn't use lose any um, SEO juice. You know, oh, yeah. my DA went right back up to where authentic storytelling used to be. Everything was working correctly. So my point is, if you're not a technical person, make sure you have that technical know-how, whether that's by reading the book, whether that's by hiring somebody who can help you with that. Uh, but I think there is, you know, we can't all be good at everything. Absolutely. No, 100% brilliant. And one thing I would point out is the technical aspect is important, especially in specific cases like that where you're moving from one place to another. So if you're rebranding, moving a website, um, incredibly important. But the fundamentals of brand serps for business is all about good marketing, common sense, addressing your audience, and then communicating to Google, mostly in non-technical manner, who you are, what you do, who your audience is, and which content you're creating is important to which audience at which stage in the funnel on the way to the bottom to becoming your client. Fantastic. Jason, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate you Thank sharing you, your insights. Absolutely brilliant. That was wonderful. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.